0: With Eddie Easton Jr., we are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, and I always say this—you know, there's always like this crazy week in sports. And for this week's show, actually, we're doing the the last two weeks because we didn't have a show last week. And I, I do want to just like look at the main things that we are going to be discussing. I mean, let's let's put it in perspective now. You have here in the month of October, the NBA returning. Which is a huge deal, obviously, for all the basketball fans out there. And uh, for this show, we're going to be talking to uh, two super fans. Because I like to have super fans on the show just to give their thoughts on their uh, on their perspective teams and, and just, just the fans' outside view. Like, they're not going out there, they're not looking at the insider reports, they're not going and talking to the players. You know what I mean? This, these are the fans that just sit back, go to the games, watch the games on TV. Throw their drinks at the TV. These are the real fans. These are the guys, the diehards. So I have uh, a New York Knicks fan and a Brooklyn Nets fan to uh, share their thoughts on the upcoming season and uh, what they're gonna expect from these teams. Because, uh, like I said, this is a, a brand new NBA year, and so many changes going on. Besides the Kyrie Irving trade and the Carmelo Anthony trade, you have just different, different faces, different places. A uh, couple rule changes, you know, you talk about less timeouts for teams, and and now that there's less back-to-backs, they kind of space the games out a little differently, which is just which is something that um a lot of people have opinions on. I for one think it's great. I think if you're going to get the best product available, then have them play at a different pace. They don't have to play every day anymore, which is important. So I'm definitely a fan of that. As well as the fact that now you have a couple more super teams out there. I know Michael Jordan came out and said, oh, I'm not a fan of super teams. Well, now you have a couple more, so it doesn't feel like it's just one super team. You know, now you're getting more options out there. You get the Minnesota Timberwolves coming out with Wiggins, Towns, and now adding Jimmy Butler. The Cavaliers have always been a a super team, but now they add Dwayne Wade to the mix, Derrick Rose now. You know, players that fought injuries but are now going to make the roster. So, you have just this variety of players. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we still know it's going to be Cleveland-Golden State. I don't think many people are are disputing this. Now, just by taking a look at the locals, you're talking about the Knicks, you know, with Chris daspor He's going to be the leader of the team. You got the Nets you know they're just figuring things out they got jeremy lynn they had d'angelo russell like there's these new these new combinations of talent to see if they can change the fortunes of these franchises and when i talk to both of these guys uh who are fans of the team they, they really give their thoughts like deeply in regards to just oh man if we just get this it'll turn everything around Mind you, the Knicks and Nets are projected to finish last in the Eastern Conference. Like I think everybody from Vegas, ESPN, they all have them finishing last. So take everything for what it is, fans. Uh, you can't expect a huge turnaround after just one, you know, off season. It's it's just not going to happen. Uh, I do believe that the Brooklyn Nets have the right idea. I think that they have a, a building block to something great. So, uh, I think I, I can see that Brooklyn Nets being good in a in a year or two. So, like the Sixers. Sixers, I think this is their year. Minnesota, I think this is their year. Those are teams that took a while, it had to be a slow build. I think we're going to get there if you talk about teams trying to turn that corner. Um, speaking, speaking of just turning that corner, remember, we're in the baseball playoffs right now. It's the postseason. New York Yankees, we're in New York, mind you. Yankees are uh, currently in a battle with the Houston Astros. They just brought the series back a little bit. Now it's 2-1. Yankees able to pull off a win heading into uh, Game 4. And this team, you got to remember, this was not a team expected to be anywhere near what they are right now. The uh, New York Yankees are contenders for the American League crown. I see a good 2 to 3 years earlier than expected. This is a very young team. Aaron Judge rookie this year had an amazing season. You are talking about players like Gary Sanchez is still very young, uh, young pitchers. You have a couple sprinkled in some veterans like Gardner, like CC Sabathia, but this is a relatively young team that everyone projected at the beginning of the year to maybe finish 500 or lower at uh maybe a year or two away from being a competitive franchise again well apparently the yankees didn't get the message and they've just been just running through teams in the american league so i'm really excited to see how this whole series goes i know everyone's huge in the houston astros the way they took care of business against the uh, cubs uh holy is the mvp anybody's wondering saying aaron judge i'm a yankees fan and i'm gonna say Jose Altuve is the MVP of the American League. There's just nobody doing what he does. The guy uh, is about 5'6", but can hit everything. You throw a beach... It's like throwing a beach ball at him. That's that's how easy it is for him right now at this point. Uh, one of the best hitters I've seen in a long time. I, he's more than well-deserved to be the, uh, the MVP. So definitely Jose Altuve if I had to make a decision. Uh, the Yankees had a amazing series against the Indians in the uh, ALDS. I'm actually gonna play some of the the great sounds from that game because it was it was a, it was a fun atmosphere. You know, fun if you're a Yankee fan in Cleveland. You go against their top pitcher. You, you know, it's it's just the the storylines were amazing. They were just amazing, and um, CC Sabathia is just a guy that has. Risen from the dead, it seems like. I mean, this is a guy I was saying, let's get rid of. He's done. He's finished. And just like that, CC Sabathia is the biggest pitcher the Yankees have right now in that rotation for the playoffs. The guy been, has been rock solid. He's been a veteran, and he's just been very calm for that whole pitching staff. So this is what the playoffs do to you, you know? It doesn't matter what sport. Yankees, uh, they have figured it out. They know how to get that mixture of young talent – with those veterans. And you got to enjoy that. Joe Girardi faced a lot of criticism. I was actually at game three. Uh, it was the last. I said it was going to be the last game I was going to see. Before I hit 30. It's the first playoff game I've ever been, ever been to. Uh, I was at game three of the ALDS. And this is right after Girardi had made the, they made the decision not to challenge. Um, a hit by pitch in game two. Which kind of led to the Yankees losing that game. He's, he admitted he made a mistake, and you know he was he was attacked in the papers, attacked everywhere you name you name it. And uh, when they announced his name on the over the PA the PA announcements for the starting lineups and everything for each team, he received a loud rousing of boos from the from the uh, from the stadium crowd. To the point that if they had lost that game and, and the Yankees have gotten swept, Joe Girardi's probably out of a job. As weird as that to believe, for a guy to bring a team that was realistically not expected to make the playoffs, not expected to be competitive this season, to not only make the playoffs, but be a contender for a World Series title, was this close, was literally one game away from being fired. I mean, I I just, the way the heat was on him, for blowing that call, I just couldn't see him coming back, and, um, you know, he rebounded nicely off of it. He's in a good space right now. Uh, Yankees down 2-1 in that series, it's gonna be fun to watch. The other series, the Dodgers and the Cubs, is also fun. Um, just curious to see how far they go. I know the Cubs are defending their title, but the Dodgers look so ready right now. They swept through the a- the NLDS without a problem, and it looked like they're having their way with the Cubs, but things change when you move over to, uh, to Wrigley, so we'll see what happens, uh. That's another good series to look out for. Dodgers and Cubs. So, you know, people enjoy that. Football. Like I said, this is this is October. This is the month of everything. All the sports are happening right now. Uh, you have the the Jets. Surprising. I I gotta give Jets fans credit. Now, I'm not the biggest Jets supporter out there. When you're in the playoffs, I'll say, yeah, okay, guys, good luck, whatever. But um, I'm not going to be out there openly rooting for the New York Jets. I'm I'm a Giants fan. I have no shame in saying that, even though Giants started off 0-5. But how about those Jets with Todd Bowles? No press. No good players. Just basically being told this is going to be an 0-16 season. Have a 500 record right now. And could have easily been 4-2 if it wasn't for some questionable calls. Especially that fumble call against the uh, New England Patriots their uh, last game. So... It's something that you have to, you got to give, you got to take your hats off to the uh, New York Jets. These guys are out there playing and um, making things happen. For a franchise that honestly needs something, they, they've they always needed some type of spark, and they're definitely getting it. So, hats off to Todd Bowles and company. And, uh, you know, and just for, since we're giving the hats off, the New York Giants getting their first win. Big win. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff. I'm not a big Ben McAdoo fan. I, I think the guy... He loses touch with his players. Mind you, I, I think he has the right mindset. And everyone was like, oh, McAdoo, you know, you, you got that big win against the Denver Broncos. You should be proud of yourself. He didn't, he wasn't even calling the plays. The uh, offensive coordinator, Sullivan, was calling the plays for the first time this season. And the Giants had a nice mix of run and pass. The uh, offensive um, line, it just, there was so much happening there that made the team look amazing. This is like the team that was originally projected to be a Super Bowl contender. So just that whole thing within itself lets you know that there was a lot of talent with this team. And mind you, you lose Odell Beckham, you lose Brandon Marshall, you lose Sterling Shepard. All these players lost in that last game against the Rams. You come in with a bunch of no-names, Eli can still make things happen. I think Eli's still very, very unappreciated when it comes to how he makes receivers big names. Uh, I always got to go back to Steve Smith, who, you know, in college, yes, he was a good player, but when he got to the Giants, and he the, Eli just made him into a 100-catch receiver. After he left the Giants, I don't think the guy caught another pass. I, I, at least I don't remember him catching another pass. But uh, these are things that I think people take for granted. So I'm a big Eli supporter. I, I think the guy, you know... Has worked his tail off for his entire career. Hasn't missed a game. And I just I just need to put that out there. So, definitely uh, Giants start off 0-5 now. 1-5. I don't know. Football's weird. They run the tables. You never know. They're probably back in the NFC East conversation. It's it's that weird. That's how football gets sometimes. So, I'm going to, you know, falsely hold out hope that the Giants can um just, I don't know, tally off tw- eight wins in a row. Is that possible? Can... All right, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in the studio, just saying. Yeah, let's let's see if that could happen. But uh, anything's possible. That's my mindset. But I do know what's not possible, and that's uh, Cam Newton, who, uh, besides his team playing well this season, has already put his foot in his mouth by uh, saying some sexist things uh, uh, about a female reporter. About her not, you know, knowing routes. And he had to laugh about it. Because, oh, women talking to me about running routes. <sighs> like, that's, what is that? You know, it it came off horribly. And, you know, I'm going to play the audio from that. As well as uh, his response. And Justina Anderson from uh, ESPN gave her thoughts on it. I thought it was a really good take. And uh, the other big audio, uh, oh, which uh, Taylor, Taylor Twelveman, I don't know if people know who he is. He is, um he actually was went on this huge rant about the US men's soccer team. People don't know men's soccer team failed to qualify for this for the World Cup that's coming up next year. And it's an embarrassment. They lost to Trinidad recently and for the US team not to be involved in the World Cup, an embarrassing situation for US soccer, the whole program period. And uh Taylor well um Twelman definitely Let's us know in his uh, rant. It's uh, some good stuff. It's all coming up in our sounds. But um, like I said, we're going to get into those, that special interview with a uh, with a Brooklyn Nets fan. And uh, he's a guy that's been on the show before, Danny Classé He's going to give us his thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets this upcoming season. When we come back, you're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.
1: Everybody likes each other. There's nobody on the team that's... That standoff, there's just nobody in the team that's in their own little bubble. So, I mean, I think everybody's together, everybody's a collective group. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's definitely a positive going into the season. Uh, just to have everybody as one, everybody having one main goal, it's just
2: to be successful. I think if we were to sneak into the playoffs, I still think that would be, you know, a surprise or, or a shock. And I think a lot of things would have to go our way, but, um, you know, a lot of things had to go my way for me to get here. So, I'm um, I'm, I'm definitely up for the challenge
1: I feel like a lot of people on our team are um, are coming with the same mentality as far as wanting to take those leaps forward and and um, building a, a foundation for the nets you know I think this is a year where you got 12 guys 12 15 guys that that really want to prove something you know and I think it's, it's it's all on our shoulders not just me if I can continue to keep sitting here um. Reflecting on on what happened in the past. I mean we won't we won't get better from it And I think the more and more we continue to keep coming here every day to get better as a team and the more and more We play together. I think it's um it's gonna be a lot better for us when the season do come And I mean that's something that you can just wash down the drain. I mean last year happened and we don't want to continue to keep dwelling on what happened last year. I mean, everyone knows what happened last year. So that's not, as a player, that's not something that you want to continue to keep sitting here doing. So, um, like I said, I mean, as a unit, we can only con- just continue to keep um, getting better every day and keep making sure that our mind is, um, mind is on the right track. Definitely, you know, the culture is, you know, just, you know, putting the right guys together who, who are willing to do whatever it takes to, to turn this organization around. Um, you know, obviously the year that they had last year is not you know the expectations that we have for this year. Obviously, we want to be better, and, and we're going to be better. Um, and like I said, we're just going to come out here and work hard. Obviously, you know people already have low expectations of us this year, but I mean that's good for us. We can just play with a chip on our shoulder each and every night and go out.
3: Sports social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back, and I have to bring in. I have to bring in probably the biggest Brooklyn Nets fan, and. He has his own unique reason for why he likes the Nets, which I'm going to hope that he's going to explain as to why he likes them. But I have Mr. Danny Classe on the line. Danny, how's it going?
4: Hi, Ed, how are you? He's I am well. Uh, going to see Blade run in a couple minutes, but I want to stop by and talk about
3: the Nets before you. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty detailed. You know, you gave me the whole detail. I'm going to go see this certain movie in a couple minutes, so I appreciate that.
4: No, no, it's not like trying to get off the phone or anything. I'm just saying I'm going to go see Vade Runner, but I got to talk
3: about the Nets because that's my squad. All right. So now I got to ask, Danny, what do you think of the team going into this season? Like, what are your early predictions?
4: I think the, the floor is the ceiling, and we have a lot of things moving and shaking. The thing to be excited about is that we have one up on – A couple of the rebuilding teams, whether it be the Knicks or the Sixers, we have a ton of blueprint being laid down in terms of the way we play the game and having a system, whereas the Knicks and the Sixers don't. But what the Knicks and the Sixers do have is a bunch of talent that we don't necessarily have. And by talent, I mean Porzingis for the Knicks and the Sixers, all these young draft picks. So I don't know which is necessarily better to have, But that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to see the system play out and us play that up-tempo basketball. And I'm also really looking forward to see how Russell reacts playing in the new area. Because in the preseason, I saw kind of what made him great with the Lakers and what made him bad with the Lakers. You know, it's kind of like a live wire from minute to minute. One minute, he looks like one of the point guards who will join that upper tier. The next minute, he just looks like kind of what Jeremy Lin used to look like, very turnover-prone, and and uh, it's, it's going to be fun to see how that plays out.
3: Okay, I hear you on that. Now, speaking of Jeremy Lin, you know, he's going to be looked at more as the leader or possibly the captain for this team. Do you feel like he has the ability to lead this team to maybe a better record to, a, I don't even know, maybe a playoff berth? Is it is it possible this season that Jeremy Lin can lead this team to a playoff berth?
4: I wouldn't say he could, but in the beast as bad as it is, I mean, anything's possible, but the Nets are still really bad. I think Jeremy Lin has proven he can lead teams to wins if you look at his injuries last year and when he played versus when he didn't play. I mean, they were a 500 team towards the end of the year when Jeremy Lynn came back, and they just looked like hot garbage when Jeremy Lin wasn't playing. So I think... Lynn is definitely somebody who's worth the contract. I know a lot of people go against that, even. I know your article kind of said that, the one you wrote for uh, the publication you work for. But however, I think the Nets really got value in Lynn. I think he is hard for a lot of guards to guard. Um, his defense is lacking, but which point guard is it? And uh, so, yeah, Jeremy Lynn is definitely a leader. I mean, he's not a leader that you need at the top when you're really making a serious run. But if you're trying to carve out an eighth seed or even a ninth seed and miss the playoffs and make the end of the season exciting, I, I think that's a guy you really want to attach yourself to.
3: Yeah, definitely uh, Definitely hear you on that. And, and, you know, I wasn't too hard on Jeremy I just, I just spoke the facts in terms of what he was going through at the time. But, what, were they, what were the facts? Well, the fact was that he just was never going to be back to the form that he was as a Nick. I mean, that was pretty much a lightning in a bottle situation. People got to stop begging for him to be insane. He's a good point guard, but he's not a superstar, or all-star point guard. I think, I think um,
4: I have to push back on that. I think that he's not that point guard anymore. But in many ways, he's better. He he doesn't turn the ball over as much. He knows how to get other players involved and. And for him to have sustained 33 points and and 11 turnovers a game, I don't think that necessarily would have been a successful way for him. I think he's a much better team player now than he was, even at the height of Linsanity. And it's really been a curse for Jeremy Lynn that, you know, he's always compared to that, considering that I feel like he really has been great, um, considering that we thought he was just going to be a flash in the pan. You look at his stints. With the Hornets, you look at his stints with Houston, he really contributed to those teams. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he left the Hornets. Sorry, it's getting a little halal here. He left the Hornets, and it kind of it kind of buckled their rotation a little bit. But, yeah, those days of him scoring 30 points over a three-week period are definitely gone. But that was lightning in the bottle, and I don't think that would ever, ever come back.
3: Okay, now, Daddy, I gotta ask you. Obviously, being a Brooklyn Nets fan, and um, just you give people a little background as to what made you become a Brooklyn Nets fan, because originally you were a fan of another team, right?
4: Yes, the New York Knickerbockers. Yeah, um, let me give you the background on that. Um, so basically, I grew up a Knicks fan. Uh, really, the first entry to my Knicks fandom was the the, the Luttrell Free years, and and kind of those fringe six to seven, eight seeds. And over the years, it's been object incompetence and and all of that stuff. And the Nets haven't been much better, even though over the last 2,000, they've kind of been the better team. However, they traded for Carmelo Anthony, and I really don't like Carmelo Anthony. And the Nets were coming to town. And in addition to that, I felt like the Knicks always have these barriers to entry. In terms of their ticket prices, I don't feel like they're accessible. And the work that I do with uh, students, they don't give out tickets or they don't engage the community to the level I feel Brooklyn does. And I just felt like the Nets were a more accessible organization, not necessarily better in terms of wins, but I also feel like their fan base is more realistic than the Knicks fan base, who, I mean, last year really thought that that squad that they had were were for the playoff team. And I was just like, man, this this fan base is delusional. Whereas the Nets know where we are, we know when we suck. Even when we had the, the big three, we kind of knew that in the back of our minds, they weren't that good. But, I mean, some of us didn't. Let me not actually say that. But, yeah, that's how I became a Nets fan. It was through uh, really sad expectations of the Knicks and having to go away and not wanting to pay those ticket prices anymore.
3: Figure those figure prices. Uh, obviously, we all know like the Nets don't sell out know, as often. What do you think? In, uh, you know, this is just an opinion, mind you. Like, what do you think will bring more fans to Brooklyn as opposed to? to the next? Can you repeat that? I didn't hear the last part of that question. I would say, what will it take to bring more fans to to see the Brooklyn Nets as opposed to going to see the Phoenix? Um, I
4: think. I think they're doing a great job with the community organizational work that they're doing. I think that's that's the groundwork right there. I know they try to rely on like these local legends, Jay Z, Fabulous, um, and and that's actually great work. I, they they do a lot of great work with that. But um, it's great to see Jay Z and Fab kind. Of, they're, they're kind of navigating away from that, even though they're really involved still. But I think they got to do it with the community work. I know you just went to an event. Where they went into the Brooklyn Pier Park and and they threw a practice and an open run. Those are the type of things that the Knicks aren't doing uh, to the level that they do it, and I think that will bring people out. And we really won't see the fruits of their work until these kids grow up and we're like, oh, I remember that time I to Jeremy Lin, and, and that and then and, and that will reap so many benefits. For the short term, they gotta just win, and that's not going to happen. So it's probably it's probably not going to be. Anytime soon that, the, that this, this will will stem. However, with the way the agency goes and the player movement, you know, no. but I don't think Brooklyn's a big destination for many of the top players unless they see it as a landing spot where they could kind of make things happen like Miami was for the big three all the way back in 2010, 2011. So they got to win, man, and that's probably not going to happen. But let's see. I mean the Knicks run this town and they will for the foreseeable future unless something crazy happens.
3: Danny, I know you gotta catch that movie, man, but thank you as always for your thoughts and uh let's see what happens with the next this season.
4: Yep, I'm predicting, let me go for a prediction. I'm predicting what is it, twenty five and fifty seven.
3: Wow, okay, that's pretty detailed. All okay. Right, I respect it. All right. I like it. Good luck to your Knicks, man. <laughs> all right, all right, Daddy. Take care, man. See ya.
1: You.
0: Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. And like I said, we're going to get into the sounds of the week. Plenty of good sounds. Uh, Cam Newton, the whole debacle back and forth. We have the sound of him actually saying the comment. Then Jacina Anderson, give her take on it. As well as his apology that he released via social media regarding the, the entire situation. Also... Uh, like I said the US men's uh soccer team situation that whole rant that happened on ESPN which was amazing so I'm going to play that that um snippet of it not the whole thing but enough for you to understand the anger that uh, people are going through because of the US men's soccer team struggling the way they did um just it's enjoyable it's definitely an enjoyable thing for those wondering um also going to play a uh, a little bit of the ALDS, the Yankees and the Indians. Uh this was game five, just the highlights from it, and you guys can get a feel for just all the energy that was taken from that game. The Yankees big win on the road, got to clinch their uh their ticket to the ALCS. So definitely a lot of good stuff. And um also after that, gonna have Mr. Pete Delaro on the show. He is a huge New York Knicks fan and uh, definitely has a lot to say on this. So stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Social with Edison Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.
5: I know you take a lot of pride in seeing your receivers play well. Devin Funches has seemed to really embrace the physicality of his routes and, and making, getting those extra yards. Does that give you a little bit of an enjoyment to see him kind of truck sticking people out there?
1: It's funny to hear a female talk about routes, like, funny but uh fun is coming along man we gonna we're gonna this is a big game for him because of you know him being from Detroit and um you know I know he wants this win extremely bad and just to see his growth over the years completely different player we're I mean, not just on the field and uh, you know I told him and Benji today you know those those guys preparation has been different this year and um you know credit the coaching for it um You know, and and, and just moving forward, you know, we're going to expect those same things.
5: When I first heard the comment, you know, I felt like he was talking to her as if she was speaking above her knowledge level. If you look at his face, he was reacting from when she first used the word route. He started to react off of that. And I felt like it was also... A little bit of tone of disrespect in the way that he addressed her, because if you notice in the comment, he said it's funny to hear females. He didn't even say female reporters, so he didn't even include her profession in what she was saying. And the reason why I was dismayed is because I know personally, obviously, what it has taken just to even be sitting in this chair right now. I know of all the women that I respected that have come before me, and you mentioned them, from the Lisa Salters to the Pam Olivers to the Judy Batista, to the Sally Jenkins to the Patricia Trainers, Lindsey Jones and what have you, women that when they come into the locker room, you know that they are bringing the thunder not just with how they're coming in the locker room, but with the information that they have and the content that they feel that is important. And so to hear him use such a term that is disappointing because it's all encompassing. It brings us all into it. And so because like you mentioned, you think that he's so astute and he comes off so senatorial, you're surprised that he wasn't even cognizant of how that was sounding as it was coming out of his mouth. But at the same time, I felt like he should have tried to bring it back in the moment and not just even on a side conversation. And that didn't even happen. Now talking to the Panthers, even before we came on, they said that there were a couple of things that happened in that conversation from Cam's perspective that he feels was not reflected in Scott Fowler's article. Okay. But it doesn't excuse it because at the same time, you can't scrub the generic term. That's what you can't walk back. The only thing that would, perhaps mitigate that somewhat is personal knowledge of Cam uh, Newton or a personal interaction. And I would have to say for my personal interaction, Anytime I have talked to him or interviewed him or been in that locker room, he has been respectful of me. I have not had that personal experience. I felt like in watching that interaction with the two of them, I saw a little bit of a lack of respect and lack of familiarity with those two. But at the same time, even in a locker room, there's a variety of experiences with mm. the players in that locker room. And just like in a press room, there are people like a, a Stephen A., there's a person like you, there's a Will Bond, and there might be someone like me and someone just starting out. And you still have to address all reporters with the same level of courtesy and decorum. And that's what you're disappointed that, you know, didn't come through in his comments.
1: After careful thought, I understand that my word choice was extremely degrading and disrespectful uh, to women. And to be honest, that was not my intentions. And if you are a person who took offense to what I said, I sincerely apologize to you. Uh, I'm a man who tries to be a positive role model in my community and try to use my platform to inspire others and I own I, I take ownership to everything that comes with that and what I did was extremely unacceptable um, I'm a father to two beautiful daughters and at their age I try to instill in them that they can do and be anything that they want to be uh, and the fact that during this whole process I've already lost sponsors and countless fans I realized that the joke is really on me and I've learned a valuable lesson from this and to the, the, the young people who see this I hope that you learn something from this as well um, don't be like me be better than me and To the reporters, to the journalists, to the moms, super moms, to the daughters, the sisters, and the women all around the world, I sincerely apologize and hope that you can find the kindness in your heart to forgive me. Thank you
6: it's not about tonight it's not about Jurgen Klinsmann it's not just about Bruce Arena as a whole U.S. soccer is not prepared they have not done a good enough job of getting this group ready to play and keep in mind the last two Olympics no United States those players that would be playing in the Olympics 24 through 28 how many of them are in this roster the players got to be good enough too so a lot of people on social media right now want to say it's Jurgen Klinsmann's fault it's Bruce Arena's fault it's Daniel Gulati's fault by the way, as an ex-player, every single one of those players, they can take some nightmares yep. for the rest of their lives because this is an utter embarrassment with the amount of money that is in Major League Soccer and in this sport. You can't get a draw, a tie against Trinidad. Max, you don't deserve to go to the World Cup. We, they they certainly did. not And people always say about it's tough to get points here. But I see Mexico oh, Come points. on. We can, we, we can stop using that excuse. Yes. This is this – is, you look at this team, you look at this – they're going to be sitting around next summer, and they're going to be watching this World Cup go on without them. So what does this program do? Is this this group, do you, do you blow it up? Do you this is sit- everything, though, Max. So Because I remind everyone, 2,000 euros, Germany laid an egg. And they all came together. Bundesliga, second Bundesliga, DFB, the German football federation, all came together with a 10-year plan. Guess what happened in 10 years? They won that World Cup. If this failure does not wake up, everyone from U.S. soccer to Major League Soccer, from pay-to-play to broadcasters to everything, that we're all insane. Because the definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing, knowing the result. Love it. And if we don't change it, and I mean we, everyone in U.S. soccer, then what are we doing? What's the point? Because that... Should have never happened with the billion dollars plus that is going into Major League Soccer and youth development. That should have never happened, and it did, and every single person should look themselves in the mirror. And by the way, that's including myself. Yeah, I'm part of US soccer. We're all involved in it. I played for the program. It's (laughs) embarrassing. (laughs) We're all involved, and we're sick. And we look at at what this team has been able to do, and a lot of times the criticism comes and they repel the criticism. The criticism, it's going to come, come and figure. Let's and I hear grow what up. you're saying now. It, the gloves are off at this point, and we and people got to be real. Well, you them and have I have it. talked about this off camera. Well, guess what? I see that little red light that's on, and yeah. I'm going to bring it up right now. Okay. The, criti- the gloves should have been off years ago. We should have been having real criticism. And the discussion after Brazil, Max, was can we beat the Colombias and the Belgians and the Argentinas of the world? You kidding me? We can't beat Trinidad on a field that's too wet and too heavy? <laughs> what are we doing? This what are we we doing? This is the discussion that's being had. It's it's remarkable to me when I go in this stupid thing right here and how ignorant people are. When the rest of the world, Belgium played Bosnia on a cow pasture. Gregorius with a drive to right field and
7: gone. Sirdi's second of the postseason. A little bit surprised by the pitch you see where they wanted to go but where it ended up was right in that nice wheelhouse for Didi. They buried that slider in I thought they'd go double up and go to that back foot. Instead they try to throw it up and away and up and away the wrong way.
3: Yeah.
7: Sanchez commits a couple of strikeouts but a solo home run. And Frazier lifts a fly ball in shallow right field Ramirez out. It's Bruce coming in to retire the side. Gregorius again. He got it for the second time. Dee three. Indians zero. Dee of all the home runs he hits against right handed pitcher the lower third is the majority nine of them. Another slider that didn't get quite in. Off of Kluber, seeing it good. Crowd going, okay,
1: that's it. No more.
7: There's Perez shortening up. Cece slides, takes a huge divot out of the turf, and Perez is retired. Three. And there's a base hit the left field. A pitcher, CC knows he wants to keep the traffic minimal. Nine strikeouts for CC Sabathia tonight. The next three two, finally got it. Pitch is grounded weakly pass the mound. Hustling Castro field throws and he got him. And there are two way. Eh? Lindor goes to second. Terrific play. CC couldn't get it. Castro raced in on a little nubbing ground ball. Fielded through. and Into right field. Jackson being waved around. He'll score. And the Indians are on the board in Game 5. 1-1. Up and punches an RBI single the other way. Oh, what a fine approach by Giovanni Urshela. Jammed it, bounced to shortstop. Gregorius for one, the relay to Bird. They get them both. Damage minimized at two in the fifth. A well-timed double play ball from David Robertson. We play five complete. It's a one-run affair in Game 5. Here's the payoff pitch. Garner runs. It's a cold strike three. Throw to second. And they got him! A strike a double play gets the Indians out of the jam. So here's the two-two. Excuse me, swing and a comebacker that will get Robertson out of the inning. A runner left stranded. And this one goes to the ninth. First. The pitch, swung on in line, as a base set to right field. Hicks will score, and the ball gets away on the infield. Here comes Goode, the Frazier, rather, scores a second run on the play. And the Yankees have just taken an enormous step forward to winning the division series chopper to second Castro backs up on it to Gregorius for one and the Yankees are now one out away from moving on for a date with the Astros. Victory. Then down 0-2 in this series, they claim games three and four at home, take game five on the road, and are headed to Houston.
2: Um, of course, um, I'm excited about the opportunity to be the leader of the team. Uh, but at the end, you know, it's 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 not just one guy. It's going to be you know us 15 guys as a team. And uh, but I'm excited about you know being one of the leaders of the team.
7: Bruce of UMBC tv Christophs, were you angry at the team, and are you angry in any way
2: still? No. Um, I'm coming into this season with a fresh mind. Um, it's a new season. Uh, I want to leave what happened. I want to leave it in the past. The past is the past, and you know, I don't want to talk about that no more. Let's talk about the next season. Uh, I'm just excited to be here. What it's like for you to come to camp
0: now without Carmelo Anthony? We're talking about the past as a past. He's now a member, a person of the past. What did you learn from him in your two seasons here, and uh, how much you're gonna miss him?
2: Yeah, well, he—he, he, you know, I'm really grateful, you know, to ha- to have had him for these two two seasons, and uh, and I was I had the opportunity to learn from him. Um, be around him day to day, and, and he was a great uh, leader for us. He was a great uh, mentor for me, and uh, he was he was like a big brother to me. So, you know, I'm really thankful um, for all he's, he, you know, for him being around me. And so, um, you know, I have nothing but respect for Carmelo, and I wish him the best in the future. When you left last year, I mean, the last day you talked to us, you talked about rebuilding would depend on if you felt confident in the direction the management was taking. I don't know if you got a chance to talk or text with them at all. Do you get that sense now that things are on the right track for you? With who? Sorry. With just management. Okay. everything. Do you get a sense things are on the right track now? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. I have I have uh, faith in um, in those people, and um, you know, I I believe they 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 want us to grow, and they want for me to be in the in the in a position where I can succeed, and. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. This is a, like a, a, lo- a lot of new things are, are happening and, and a lot of new people are here. And so it's going to be a lot of changes. And, uh, and I'm coming in. As I said, I'm coming in with a fresh mind. I'm, I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, I'm excited.
4: Uh, how do you describe your relationship last season with Jeff? There's been some murmurs about it. And second part, did you ever ask Carmelo... Or try to convince him to stay this year.
2: Um, I, me and Melo, we, we 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 texted and we kept in contact throughout the summer. And and obviously, I understand it's 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 a business at the end, and and he has to make the um, best decision for himself. And I, I I believe that was the best for him to take on a new challenge and and go to Oklahoma. Um, so and about uh, Jeff Hornacek, um, you know, I have a I have a great relationship with him. So I don't really know where. You know where it all comes from.
3: Sports social Ed Easton Jr. We are back, and I have a special guest. He is one of the many diehard, loyal Knicks fans out here. I got Mr. Pete DeLoro here on the phone. Pete, how's it going, man? Ed, thanks for having me.
8: Hey man, this, so this is, a, this is an honor.
3: <laughs> this is hey, this is huge, man. I'm you don't understand. I had to pull a lot of strings to make sure I got you on the show. This is a big deal, you know. I know.
8: I know. I'm a tough guy to reach. It's it's true. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. So are you? Bro.
3: Oh well, you know, I gotta do what I gotta do here. Yeah, but uh, busy guy. But Pete, now we gotta talk about the Knicks. You're you're a huge Knicks fan, and uh, Fine. You show. Up, you know, I've been trying to get like some type of a uh, understanding as to what the process that the Knicks are going through right now. Now, I, obviously, I write for them, but you're a fan, and you are as diehard as they come. What are your thoughts? On the uh, Carmelo Anthony trade, uh, are you
8: happy it's done, or is this like you know just another mistake amongst the many others? Uh, I I didn't hear quite the end of that, but you you said mistake amongst many others, so I think I know uh, what you're talking about. Um, were you just talking about the state of the team, the franchise, the like you know the the whole Mills Perry angle, or, or or what specifically?
3: Well, just everything in general. Just uh, your thoughts on Melo to be traded.
8: Well, the Melo trade to me was, you know, they were victims of Phil Jackson poisoning the well on on their best player. Maybe, maybe they're. I would say, what would you say? Maybe a top five player in franchise history. Melo was. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I could think you could go with top five. Yeah, and they got Anus Cantor and a protected first, uh, second, uh, a late second, sorry, an early second round pick for uh, one of the best players in franchise history. So, you know, I mean, I just worry that the Knicks are kind of like, you know, just infected <laughs> forever and it doesn- yeah. almost doesn't matter who they bring in as long as Dolan runs the team. But, you know, I'm always hopeful because like you said, we're big fans and, uh, you know, sometimes it's, Blind optimism, but uh, I, I, but I think what I want to see now, you know, obviously Mel is off the team, and that's that's a benefit because it was a distraction. I, you know, they they preach this young core, and sure, I want to see you know Frank play. I want to see um, you know I even want to see guys like McDermott get minutes. I, I want to find out what he is. You know, but, that, so I, I and I'm I'm just overall I just want to evaluate everything as a fan. I want to see whether Hornacek is the answer at coach because for me, he has a short leash. And I want to just kind of see the guys play hard because you could clearly tell at times last year that guys were, 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 were kind of waffling out there and going to the motions.
3: Uh, I definitely agree with that. It's and, and just watching the, the way the team is making these deals and a couple of preseason games that have been going on. Uh, McDermott, I saw some pretty yeah. good stuff. So the guy's a scorer. Um, I kind of wonder about Frank and staying healthy. That's a, that's a big deal, but I to a Trey park, you know? So
8: oh my God. they want to ensure <laughs> that they have the worst point guard collection in the NBA. I think, I think that's what they were going. For. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I like what I see from Frank, but I don't see much cause there hasn't been much, you know? I mean, I, I need to see that he can stay healthy because right now I'm seeing Dennis Smith Jr. Tear it up. I'm watching Malik Monk put up 21 points last night and lead the, Hornets and scoring and uh, oh and Donovan Mitchell is going to be a a starter in Utah playing every day in the West and he does plays both ends of the floor I just the draft is going to be something that the fans are going to be forced to focus on because you know it was Phil Jackson's last pick and why Phil Jackson got to make that pick is beyond me but you know the timing of everything with the Knicks seems to kind of always be out of whack and uh you know if Frank can stay healthy, I hope he's this defensive two-way type player that everyone says he was over in France. Well, we're definitely going to hope for that. And uh, just speaking like
3: staying with the Knicks right now, uh, Chris Esporzingis is probably going to be looked at as probably more of the leader. Um, you know, what are yep. your do you think he's an all-star this year? Does he take that next level because
8: he is the main scoring option? Um, I think he's got to play both ends of the floor effectively. I mean, I – I mean, you want to put a lot of stock in the plus minus. I don't know. You probably heard Alan Hahn and Jerviak were kind of trashing him a bit for his plus minus and the way he was, you know, out, you know, looking out there on the floor. I don't want to see him develop bad habits. So he might score a lot of points, but I also don't want to see, you know, the opposing big men putting up 25 and 15 against him either, you know? So I want to see that he is making the leap as like a mature basketball player. So, you know, I have high hopes for KP. He's my favorite Nick in a long time. And, uh, Mm. I I really, you know, just, we, A, we got to see him stay healthy, and, B, we have to see him, you know, develop winning-type habits. And I just hope the Knicks don't ruin that somehow. All right, my last thing on KP, do you think he stays at power forward or he makes the transition to center or something like this year? I, I hope it's center because, to me, you know, the way the NBA goes, you want you to have, a, a, like, a stretch five, you know, someone who can, you know, play – Long, you know, he play the long game. He can shoot, he can shoot the corner three. You know, he can shoot, he can, really, he can really shoot from anywhere. I don't want to see him take too many threes, but I, I want to, he, you want the threat to be there that your big man can not only shoot from long range, but be able to in turn, you know, pull the defensive, you know, his defensive assignment out to the perimeter. And that creates a lot of space as well. So, you know, I, I, I I'm excited to watch KP develop. He clearly put on some muscle and, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll, we will see.
3: Definitely a big target, so we'll definitely see. But like I said, you're a huge Knicks fan, and i got to go back into the archives of, of better days for the Knicks. Oh, who was your favorite? The oh, the good times. Good times, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, the times we almost won a title.
8: Um, <laughs> yes, correct.
3: Who was your uh, favorite
8: 90s Nick, and why? Uh, Larry Johnson. Uh, Larry Johnson, to me, you know, he came over from Charlotte in the Anthony Mason trade. Now, Mason, this is I, this is around the time when I was just getting into basketball, I would say 94, 95. So I had the Ewing, the Oakley, you know, the, the OJ Bronco chase in the NBA finals. I have that memory. But when the Knicks made that trade, Mason for uh, Anthony Mason – You know, a lot of people were questioning whether or not that was going to – I'm sorry, I said – I'm sorry, uh, Larry Johnson for Anthony Mason. A lot of people questioned whether or not that would work because LJ had had knee problems, back problems. And LJ just was the ultimate professional here, and he was a main part of all those big, you know, Knicks-Heat rivalries. And, of course, the four-point play, I'll never forget the four-point play. I actually – I was standing there with my dad watching it in our house, and he hits the four-point play, and I jump, and I accidentally – Smacked my dad in the face because I was so excited. Uh <laughs> but that was the last time I can remember being truly happy about the Knicks. Right. Wow, that's uh that's pretty people violence. Yeah. What's it what's that? No,
3: I like it it caused violence. That's how much you uh you loved it. Uh, yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I I <laughs> I bleed
8: for this team. So does my dad, apparently, on that in that
3: occasion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My my last question, Pete now. I know you're like big into the yards. And everything that's you know going on in regards to performing because I've I've seen you around. See, you know you've done some um, some some singing. You've done some some uh, acting. Now, sure. The reason, the reason why I'm making this transition. This may seem like an odd transition. I'm okay. bringing it back. This is a Nick's cult favorite. Do you remember the movie Eddie?
8: Of course, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe I, I, I believe Greg Ostertag was in that movie. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes.
3: I, I just wanted. To, I wanted to make sure this was like a little game. I wanted to throw out there to you. Could you name at least like four of those players that were active players that were in that movie? Oh, sure.
8: Um, I I remember Muggsy Bogues was in the movie. Right? Muggsy was in it. Yeah. Okay. Was was Charles Barkley in it? I thought I remember a Barkley scene. Barkley, no. Okay. No, you think it's Space right, Jam? All right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Um, so I had. I think Ostertag played the center. Was uh, what, what was it? What was who else was it? Oh man. Jeez, uh, I, I haven't seen this movie in. I haven't seen this movie in probably <laughs> what twenty twenty years. I think. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Is go,
3: go, go, go. uh. I'll give you th- I'll throw you a hint. How about that? You want me to throw you a hint?
8: Is Patrick in it? No, he wasn't. Oh Dennis no, Rodman was no. in it. Yes. Yes, I remember that. Who else? Oh, John yes. Sally, because John Sally's in all basketball movies. Yes. Okay.
5: We
3: have okay. John Who else Sally. Got? All right, give me, uh, give me one more, one more. Hmm. Hmm. Well, am I going to yes. get a hint? Yes. This guy used to play for the Knicks. He played for the Knicks in two different stints in real life, okay. and also in the movie.
8: Mark Jackson. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> yes Mark, yeah. say. by the way I completely cool. cheated on that one
3: yeah man, I'm a little surprised I, I thought you would have been uh, all over that one no, I that's Eddie Come on. nah,
8: it, I'm so beaten down as a fan I can't even remember the good movies about basketball <laughs> <laughs> Cheat. well hopefully we'll remember some good times from this
3: season thank you so much for coming on the show Ed and, it's uh, a pleasure thanks more. for having me yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope
8: to uh, talk to you again definitely take care all right go go new york go new york go <laughs> later take care
0: I want to take the time to thank my guests pete DeLoro, danny Classé, for uh talking some basketball with us some knicks some nets uh just want to remind everybody i'm actually covering the knicks and the nets this entire season on hoops habit which is part of the fan side of sports illustrated network so definitely check that out uh, you'll see the feed whether it's on bleacher report or uh you know sports illustrated itself so uh, just check that out. I, I appreciate everybody that uh, comments. And I'm going to go to these games. I'm going to try to cover as much as possible and do the best I can. So, you know, thank you for all those that have been supporting me so far. And it, it's been successful, this run. And I'm just really excited to now add the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn. I I live in Brooklyn, so this makes sense. Add them to my uh, my schedule of, of, of teams to cover I've been covering the Knicks for the last year or so, but uh, also doing the Nets now is, is definitely an honor. So, everyone uh, listening, thank you so much for um, your support, and as well with this show. Just you know, any thoughts? Make sure you hit me up on social media. It's at Ed Easton Jr. Once again, it's at Ed Easton Jr. And I will uh, get back to you as well as any ideas we could throw out there. Any guests that you would like to hear on, we'll definitely make it work. So, for everyone out there, enjoy the rest of the MLB playoffs, as well as football, and of course, the NBA. I'm Matt Easton Jr. Everybody have a good one.